Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A shanty is going to regulate motion, concentrate force, and be sung by the people who are doing the work. I think those three things are common to all shanties. You're listening to the Game Makers Podcast. This is Charles Adam Foster Samard from Ubisoft. About a year ago, sea shanties became all the rage on social media, especially on TikTok, after a young Scottish postman called Nathan Evans posted a video of himself singing The Wellerman, a 19th century New Zealand sea ballad. Pretty soon, our feeds were full of sea shanty renditions, remixes, and remote collaborations. In the middle of a global pandemic, the popularity of the genre seemed linked to a sense of nostalgia and our desire for connection and camaraderie in a time of lockdowns and social isolation. At Ubisoft, we know a thing or two about sea shanties. The 2013 game Assassin's Creed IV Black Flag, an action-adventure title set in the Caribbean during the golden age of piracy, featured collectible sea shanties that your pirate crew sang as you sailed the oceans. So, to celebrate the first anniversary of the shanty talk phenomenon, I reached out to experts from Ubisoft and beyond to tell us more about what makes sea shanties so special and how they were recorded for Assassin's Creed Black Flag. First, I wanted to get a better understanding of the history of sea shanties, so I spoke with American musician Craig Edwards, who's been studying, performing, and working with sea shanties for decades. Hello, Craig. Thank you for joining us. It's very nice to be here. I'm glad to talk to you. And I wanted to start with you first, actually, on this podcast on sea shanties, because you know a lot about sea shanties. Uh, you are a musician yourself, and, and you're also a historian. So if you can maybe just start by introducing yourself, saying who you are and, and what you do. I'm Craig Edwards, and I've been uh, interested in traditional music since I was small, um, I went to Wesleyan University back in the late 70s, early 80s, and studied ethnomusicology. And about a year and a half after I graduated from Wesleyan, I started working at Mystic Seaport Museum, which is a maritime museum in Mystic, Connecticut. Uh, it's an outdoor living history museum. What is there is a collection of historic ships, boats, buildings that housed maritime trades like shipsmithing and coopering, and other structures that would be typical of a New England seaport town in the 19th century. It's the largest maritime museum in North America and one of the great maritime museums in the world. And they were looking for a staff musician. So your role on this ship was to basically lead the singing for these work songs when the sailors were doing demonstrations on the ship, is that right? Correct. So you had fewer men in the crew. Because of that, they needed precise coordination. So they started developing songs that would not only enliven the music, but also regulate and regulate its pace, but also serve to concentrate force at very particular spots. 
So we should really think of these songs as as work songs. They're really almost like engineered. They're they're they were made or they developed in order to be able to do certain things on a boat and bring everyone together, doing the right work at the right time. Exactly. There's a period of about 250 years where there's very little evidence that sailors sang at work at all. Hmm. And that, of course, is the precise time that piracy is flourishing. Right. You know, and what that all has to do with is the conditions of work on board a vessel, which has to focus on engaging in violence at sea, because they're using cannon, right, as their main weapon. Mm-hmm. And most of those cannon, and and all of the most effective cannon, the most powerful cannon, are not aimed by turning the individual gun, but by turning the ship. So when you're in a battle, you have to have a crew that can handily sail the vessel without worrying about not having enough men to execute a sudden maneuver, Mm. right? You have to have a full sailing crew. You also have have to have enough men to be at the guns because those cannons aren't fired one at a time most effectively. They're fired in broadsides, which means all the cannon on one deck or all the decks of one side of the vessel, if there are several decks of cannon, once you get to the 1550s, there is almost ceaseless warfare between these empire-building European nations for the next 250 years. Mm-hmm. So merchant ships had to be able to defend themselves. To do it effectively, they had to carry large crews. And they because a ship that organized like that has to have as its focal activity that engagement, because otherwise you can't, what's the point of going out there right, if you can't defend what you have in your ship. Mm-hmm. So that work on board those vessels was done silently by the crew. There was no singing. In fact, there were rules in the British Naval Code in various periods dictating how many lashes you would get if you sang at work. What happens in 1815 is that Napoleon is defeated, and the Congress of Vienna leads to what was known as the Concert of Europe, which pretty much eliminated or extremely reduced the amount of violence at sea between these European powers. Those navies then turned their attention to ending the slave trade and suppressing piracy with their navies. And all of a sudden, you could sail around the ocean without having to worry about being attacked at all. The United States' biggest export in this period, the 1820s and 30s, is when we're talking about, and earlier, even the, you know, once the war of uh, the Napoleonic Wars are over, cotton is our largest export. And the cotton is loaded onto ships. They pack in as much as they can. It's valuable. So it's put down below, and a, mechan- a machine is invented. It's a, it's a human powered machine, but it's invented to compress cotton so that three bales of cotton will fit into a space only two would occupy if they were freestanding. It's a huge amount of compression. And it's done with a jack screw, it's called, which has a collar on a shaft that's wormed inside and extends a shaft from inside as you turn the collar. And there are handles on that collar that men turn. And those men were enslaved African-Americans in groups of five, one of whom was more experienced and, and knew what to look for as this work went on 
to regulate it and regulated the motion of the crew by singing work songs, call and response work songs. That's one of the biggest sources of the idea of doing this in this period. The other thing is that on American ships, about 15 to 20% of the workforce is African-American. So there are a lot of African-Americans in these crews in this period. And suddenly the crew size has been reduced. They're still able to do work that's just as heavy, but all of a sudden you don't have 30 men to grab hold of the halyard and march off down the deck. They're not there anymore. So at some point, someone who understood much earlier African-American work song traditions, who came out of that background, might have something like this. Round the corner we will go, round the corner, Sally, around Cape Horn in the frost and snow, round the corner, Sally. And on that word round and on that word Sally, the pull would come and the whole crew would sing along. And there would be people in the crew who would, other African-Americans who came from that same cultural background and knew how these songs were used, who would be familiar with it. So, Craig, I want to unpack a little bit of what you just said. The, the first thing for me to kind of notice is that, first of all, it seems like it's clearly anachronistic in Black Flag, right? The pirates and sailors would not have been using sea shanties at this time, although I think I, we can know why they included it in the game. But just to clarify, it wouldn't have been used in the early 18th century like it is in the game. That's correct. What I do find fascinating, uh, thinking about that era, is that, of course, pirate crews were extraordinarily diverse yep. um, in, in many instances, especially in the Caribbean, but, but around the world, um, you'd find that. And there's not a huge amount of evidence about what music people would have made together, but it is really fascinating to, to contemplate, given what we know about what was going on, on musically, um, there certainly would have been drinking songs with choruses and musical games like rounds. Those were very popular. Mm -hmm. And of course, ballads that tell stories. So all those kinds of music would be frequent. The other thing you mentioned was African-American slaves. So I just want to clarify, there's like a direct link that we can draw from essentially slave songs and songs that were used on plantations by slaves for, for their work into shipping and into sea shanties? Yes, and less songs that you might have heard on plantations right. as that songs you would have heard in ports. Okay. And especially those cotton-screwing songs. Mm. And it was very quickly adopted as not an ethnic practice, but an occupational practice right. that spread to ships of all nations. So that, uh, you know, French vessels, German vessels... Scandinavian vessels would use shanties. When you look in collections, it's often interesting to see how many shanties have um, from those those areas ha- use the melodies of shanties that that clearly originated in English because the chorus is still in English or is a set of nonsense words that sound like the English words, <laughs> while the verses are just sung in the language of the of the singer. Right. So you can kind of see the the melting pot and the origins of the sailor. Absolutely. As well. Now, the examples that you sang, you can hear the kind of like repetition and and rhythm in the Mm -hmm. songs, but of course you were singing alone, so there was no call and response. But call and response is something that I really associate with sea shanties. Absolutely. And that that kind of people coming in on the chorus or coming in on certain lines. So for you, is that something that's 
you know, a feature of sea shanties? And what are some of yeah. the other recognizable features of a sea shanty? Uh, that's, that's a good question. I was thinking earlier today of, of how I, if I really wanted to define a shanty, mm. um, you know, what, what makes a, it a shanty as opposed to simply a work song. Right. So the things those two categories share is that they enliven work. But that's true of, you know, any construction crew you walk by that's listening to the radio. Music is enlivening their work. Right. They're not making it themselves. Mm -hmm. But you can also just be singing to pass the time. And that's not a shanty. A shanty is going to regulate motion, concentrate force, and be sung by the people who are doing the work. I think those three things are are common to all shanties. Part of the reason why we're we're talking today and exploring this topic of sea shanties is because they exploded all over the internet last year, especially on TikTok, and and a lot of people were singing sea shanties and discovering them. So I wanted to ask you, who who you know you've worked with these songs, you've studied them and sung them. I wanted to know what you thought about this phenomenon and what do you think attracted people to to sea shanties uh, in in our day and age. I think it was was a. Uh almost predictable um, <laughs> outcome of, of the pandemic and the way that TikTok is set up where you can layer on other parts and pieces to an, to an initial uh, a post. You know, the first post was just a solo singing the, the Wellerman. Yeah. And then people started adding harmonies to it and, and playing with it like that. And it gave people that within the context of a genre that grew up to be something that people did together to bring them together mm -hmm. and focus them into to one unit. And you can harmonize any way you want on them. You can make up your own verses. They function really well like that because people were using them in their daily lives for their work. Mm. When so they it's were a very welcoming genre their, in a way, yeah, right? Yeah, it's welcoming. And uh, when you're just singing them for fun, you know, one of the reasons that shanties work in sort of... Uh, neurological sense is that music and motion can produce the psychological state called flow, which is that heightened feeling you get, say, when you're at a concert and there's some transcendent moment in the music, and you'll have that experience where you realize that everyone around you seems to, to be in this same exalted state for a moment, mm -hmm. right? You know, that's a common experience. Yeah. At concerts, that psychological state is flow. One of its functions, though, is to give you increased access to your own inner resources, and it just makes you feel good. Yeah. So when you're singing with people and getting that rhythm going back and forth in the call and response structure, and you can really start to to hammer it, you know. And uh, it doesn't take an expert. You don't have to be even particularly in tune to have a good time doing it. And that, that I think, uh, was really great for people just to feel like they could just join in and be part of it. 
It's interesting that you mentioned flow because it's something that we talk a lot about in video games as well. There's this mm. flow state when you're playing a game and you're not thinking about playing the game anymore. You're just really in, in the world. You know, you're not thinking about the controller. You're just like really doing it and the game becomes an extension of yourself. You know, game designers chase that feeling and try to create that feeling for their players. And so, of course, it leads me to talk about Assassin's Creed Black Flag, which we mentioned earlier and which incorporates sea shanties. I, I wondered if you were aware of the game when it came out and if you, you know, had to listen to some of the sea shanties in the game as well and, and what you thought of that. I'm a little long in the tooth to have been... been uh been paying attention when it came out, but uh, I heard of it pretty early on because people talked about the shanties. Mm -hmm. um, and once I started exploring it, I, I think that you guys did such a good job with it. It's a great selection of songs. I like the way they're sung. It doesn't feel kind of over-rehearsed or overproduced. It has a good gritty quality to it that fits right in with what you're trying to evoke in the game. And, and, you know, good singing, but not, you know, it doesn't sound polished or choir-like is what I'm try, trying to get at. Mm -hmm. And I think the the way it intersects, you know, I didn't know that video game people talked about flow, but of course it makes perfect sense. That works really well in sort of creating this imaginary world for people that they can live in. Mm -hmm. So I think um, it was a brilliant move, I have to say. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, it's a video game. It's not history. It doesn't matter that Candies weren't sung back then. People can, can do that and enjoy it. As a scholar, I'm concerned that people understand this history for a variety of reasons. But as an artist, and, and even as a scholar, I have absolutely no, no problem with the way that the video game uses the songs. I really think it, it's it's wonderful. Well, on that note, Craig, uh, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing all of this fascinating information about sea shanties. Well, it's been a great pleasure to talk with you, Charles. I really appreciate uh, being being asked because I love to talk about it. Come, old you young and old, I must die. Now that we know a little bit more about the history of sea shanties, I wanted to understand the original intention and idea behind the integration of sea shanties into Assassin's Creed Black Flag. Who better to tell me all about it than Darby McDevitt, narrative director at Ubisoft Montreal, who worked on the game's story. Hello, Darby. Thanks so much for joining us today. Hi, it's good to be here. Thank you. <laughs> so I wanted to talk to you about sea shanties and uh, the music of Assassin's Creed Black Flag. Do you just want to introduce yourself first, say a little bit about you and, and what you do at Ubisoft and what your role was on uh, Black Flag? Sure. So my name is Darby McDevitt. I've been a writer uh, on the Assassin's Creed franchise for since like 2008, 2009. Um, and I came to Ubisoft in 2011 to uh, work on the the main games of the franchise. So I was a writer initially here, and then about four years ago, I became a narrative director, which is overseeing the writers, doing some writing myself, but also helping design the, the narrative systems of the game uh, as well. Uh, and even though, so I guess when I was a, the lead writer on Black Flag, I was kind of getting into the narrative design aspect by um, working really closely on the sh sea shanty system itself. So it kind of, I think it was actually the first time I, I got a taste of what it would be like to be a narrative director through the shanties. 
And so do you want to say a little bit maybe about, first of all, how the shanties work in Black Flag? For those who haven't played the game, what, what is their purpose in the game and how are they part of the, the experience? So the sea shanty system is pretty, uh, I think, clearly inspired by um, other games that, like Grand Theft Auto, where in a, in a game where there's these long stretches of traversal, you want something to fill the space and kind of keep your brain occupied. And so like listening to radio in a car, uh, the sea shanties started life as what I called pirate radio. When we started seeing this um, open ocean come together and we were able to sail from Jamaica to Cuba, we were like, well, let's fill this space, not with just the white noise of the ocean, but you know, some actual fun songs and, and shanties. When we did our research, shanties weren't actually historically accurate to this time period, but it was too good of an idea to pass up. So uh, what I ended up doing was just writing up a brief design document with the help of the audio director at the time, Aldo, and uh, just pitched this very simple idea of like, look, when we're, when we're at the helm of the ship and we're sailing, there should be a way to activate songs, maybe a way to skip to the next song, and then a way to shut your crew up if you didn't want to hear singing. <laughs> um, and that was the basic idea, and it was a really short design document. At the time, I, I didn't know too much about shanties, but I did know a lot about folk songs. Um, I went to school in Ireland. I got, I'm a musician, so I got really into... Back in the early 2000s, I got into the lots of Irish folk music, and so I knew a bunch of that. So I kind mm -hmm. of made a list of, let's say, 16 songs that I would like to hear in this game, but they weren't shanties. And I gave this design document to Aldo. He went away, and he kind of disappeared for a while. And when he showed me a couple months later what he'd done, he'd not only got a list of 70 songs, but he'd actually recorded 70 songs, 35 of which were actual shanties, and 35 were t what we call tavern songs, because he had, he had expanded the idea to say, let's have there be uh, taverns all over the world too, where you can just go in and listen to music. Mm -hmm. And in Havana, there's about 10 Spanish songs, and in the rest of the, sort of the British uh, areas of, of the Caribbean, there's 25 other tavern songs. So this small idea kind of exploded into this big let's have this tapestry of music from the time period and a little bit later shanties are mostly a, a 19th century thing not an 18th century thing but there were things called what they call call outs in earlier in an earlier century where they were kind of musical ways of counting but they weren't as rich and you know, lyrically engaging as, as the shanties we have in Black Flag but we knew we, we didn't think okay we're not going to make a, an ocean sailing game in the 19th century, probably, not anytime soon, unless we do like a, like a Moby Dick game. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but so technically the shanties that we have in the game are not historically accurate, but they're so engaging and rich that we just couldn't um, do without them. Yeah, it was part of the, it really adds to the pirate experience, right? Even though it's not totally totally historically accurate exactly yeah and they're they're collectible in the game as well the, the point i think is that the players can discover chase after shanties and then kind of collect them and then they get more shanties that their crew sings on their boat is that something that was part of the original design document as well yeah no that's um so when i proposed this idea i think it was the creative director jean guedon he was thinking about it, and I think he wanted some way to... It, the idea hit on him to repurpose the Ben Franklin almanac mechanic from AC3. Mm. Early in AC3, you meet Ben Franklin, and he like opens a book, and all the pages of his almanac fly out in a gust of wind. <laughs> 
And then he asks Connor, hey, can you go get those for me? It's a <laughs> <laughs> um, and they're they're interesting pages, right? But they're just sort of uh there's text to read. Right. Um so I think Jean kind of uh just had had this, you know, little inspiration. He said, let's let's reuse that, but now the collectible will be worth something like really great. Mm. You collect quite a few throughout the game and it's always great when you collect that and it you know pops up now you've got lowlands away and you like i want to run back to my boat and hear that i think that's a case where the reward equals the effort you know that's i think that's a problem with all collectibles in all games is that the reward often does not uh, meet the effort <laughs> yeah and i think it's so cool how it's a feature that's uh, basically from game to game that's been evolved and and improved upon yeah. right that's super cool yeah Now, you mentioned that you were a musician yourself and that you knew some folk songs before getting into this and that some of the folk songs as well were incorporated into the game. I'm just wondering, as a writer in video games and as a narrative director, do you think a lot about that intersection between video games and music, even though, you know, you're not technically on the the audio and the music side of things? Even before I was living in Ireland, I was listening to, like, you know, bands like the Pogues um, and the Dubliners and the Clancy Brothers, the Tommy Makeham, and I. So I I knew a lot of these old songs, mm-hmm. um, and and so I came when it came time to working on Black Flag. I I just immediately knew that this was an area I could pull from. Um, I didn't have to research it. I already had it in me. So I was excited about that, and that actually drove a lot of the excitement in the early days. And moving back to sea shanties, which are our theme of the day, sea shanties kind of exploded on TikTok late in 2020 and early 2021. These kind of call and response songs, people were mm-hmm. were creating new versions and remixes and, and adding their own voices to them online. Why do you think these kinds of songs have that appeal or have had that appeal in, in this day and age? I think it's very hard to understand why things go viral. I think there's something about... The first thing about sea shanties is that they're o- they're vocal only, right? So there's yeah. it's it's kind of available to everybody if you're willing to put in the effort. The second thing is that there's these amazing choruses that come in, and if you're good with harmony, not just melody but harmony, the the explosion of harmony that comes in and the choruses is always like impressive and pleasant to the ear. Mm-hmm. Um, Harmony is something people learn, you know, I think second when they're learning to play music. It's like you learn you learn melody and then rhythm and maybe they learn at third harmony, but it's it's a super impressive aspect of of music and I think it really hits you. If you listen to like an old Everly Brothers tune or Simon and Garfunkel, like you're always just like drowning in how beautiful the harmony and melody are together. Mm-hmm. So I think that's I think that's the appeal of sea shanties. It's they're simple but they're harmonically rich. And people want to get in on that. And uh, so that's what that's when you see, like, the first guy, you know, singing his version. And then other people jump on and they throw harmonies on top. Because harmonies are additive, right, you can start throwing all kinds of harmonies on top of harmonies on top of harmonies. And if you're doing it well, it can take a while before it gets really muddy. And then I saw the one where Andrew Lloyd Webber joins in. It's like, there you go. Like, he's adding, he's adding a piano uh, accompaniment to this. So there's a real sense of collaboration, and that's exactly what 
you know, TikTok and the internet is all about. It's mm-hmm. about crowdsourcing and collaboration, and shanties provide a really good uh, template for that, I think. So people want to join the party. That's, that's my guess. Yeah. One of the voices you can hear on the Black Flag soundtrack is Sean Dager, a folk singer based in Montreal. He was hired by producer David Gossage, who was brought on the project to select and record the shanties for the game. I reached out to Sean and David to talk about their involvement on the project. Hi, my name is Sean. I'm a Montreal-based folk musician and singer, etc. <laughs> <laughs> And Dave, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm <laughs> Dave. I'm similar. <laughs> I'm a composer, producer of music, and I play flute in, in all kinds of styles. And I did the music for uh, the source music for Assassin's Creed from three to up until Origins. Great. And we're here to talk about specifically the soundtrack for Black Flag and even more specifically the Sea Shanties. And you were producer for the Sea Shanties, right? Yes. Can you explain what that role entails? Well, that's uh, it's researching, finding all the shanties and then getting them recorded, getting all the musicians together and uh, getting the studio together and, and doing the, um, you know, all the sort of, a lot of this one, it was spent researching finding enough sh- shanties because there's so many shanties in in that game and because it's part of the gameplay so and mm-hmm. benedict who was the music supervisor kept calling and asking for 20 more <laughs> so <laughs> that was that was the main bulk of it but there was also recording them all because you have to go through each shanty and check the the lyrics to make sure they're historically correct and politically correct when they were doing bad things. <laughs> and where were you, to kind of run through the process, where, where were you researching? Like, where were you finding some of these shanties? A uh, lot of it was in the, the library at McGill. I teach at McGill. So at the McGill library, there's, they have a, their music library has a, like a, tons of stuff. And so you mentioned that, you know, you were looking also for the right kinds of shanties, not just the time period, but in terms of, of what they were saying or the political references. So did you yeah. have to, like, modify any of the sea shanties? Or what oh, yeah, were you yeah, finding in terms of stuff that was maybe not appropriate for, for the game? Well, the things that weren't appropriate were the obviously sort of, you know, the homophobic or race outright racist lyric from back in the time, because mm. they were all recorded or the, the words were written down as they were you know, the ones that were actually saved from back then. So there was a lot of, you know, misogynistic and things like that, whether pirates, <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> but, uh, and we had to uh, sort of get all that stuff out of it. But then there was a straight historical uh, differentiations. Like if they, it wasn't Queen Anne at that time and they'd have, it was a, uh, it was a uh, King George. So there'd be things like that. I would shift around and switch the, switch the names of the Kings because, Shanties themselves are sort of, they're a living sort of thing. They all, they change with the historical context of mm. the time they're, they're, the sailors are actually using them to do their work because that's the main part of them is just, you know, work songs. So you yourself were making some adjustments in the in the text, yes. for example, on the lyrics, yeah. but you felt it feels kind of legitimate because even back then they were changing all the time and not yeah. everyone was singing the same shanty even for the, the same melody. Yeah, exactly. That that that's it. So they would they would sing the lyrics have. I'm I, you could find shanties. I think with five different sets of lyrics to them. Right. 
And what were you looking for in terms of the musicians? Because you mentioned you also supervise the recording sessions. So yeah. where did you get your musicians from to have a authentic sounding sea shanty? Well, I, I don't know if they'd want to be called authentic. Sean, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sean. Well, I play with Sean, so he was my my first choice. And Sean has uh, does a lot of different works with different people and singers. So he he hooked, and there was another one, Nils, I'd picked too beforehand, but Sean had had got Mikiel and Clayton to join us, two other singers that he knew of. And that was basically based on Clayton. We needed a baritone. and and But the guys who are singing it are like opera singers, but they're not singing in that fashion at all. Sort of, we're gruff men would be <laughs> what we're looking for. You know, with an ability to sort of to sort of act, you know, somewhat. Because there's a lot of acting involved when you're doing, like, films, things like that. Because you don't want your pirates to sound like opera singers, because that's very rare. <laughs> Someone singing in harmony on a boat would probably just be beaten up or something, you know, like this. So they, were, uh, so they had to tune down their skills a little bit. They tuned down their skills. We usually do one take that was in tune and then just sort of, like, go for making it sound authentic. (laughs) People sing, okay, guys, sing it in a different key or sing it, try to be out of tune. I think that was the hardest part. Sean, you could tell me that, that to sing it badly, like with making it sound like you're actually a bad singer. (laughs) It was hard at first, but once once we got into it, that part was actually really fun. Sean, did you have any experience singing sea shanties before? Like as a folk singer, is that something that you, you know, you were used to? Yeah, I knew a lot of these songs. And, um, you know, in a lot of the gigs that I play, the whole point is to sort of entertain the people. And the songs that work best for entertaining people are those songs that have sort of a, a call and response. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in, in a lot of the Irish pub songs have that already. So basically, you know, sh- like the shanties are just a whole entire genre based around call and response. Yeah. So we use them a lot. Um, even back then, we used shanties a fair amount in performing just because in the people, pub, yeah. it gets people going. You know? Right. And in terms of the research for you, Sean, as a singer going into this, did you, you know, because I assume some of these shanties you didn't know about, especially as David was kind of digging into the archives to find some. So did you do any research yourself to, or listen to any previous recordings to use as inspiration to try to be more authentic or were you trying to go in fresh? I was trying to go in fresh. Um, you know, a lot of the previous recordings weren't trying to be historical or if they were, it was it was too sort of bad acting or, you know, like fake pirate, you know, sort of Mm. Halloween pirate type things. So there wasn't really much to draw on in terms of that. Sometimes I'd go listen, you know, because Dave would send us the lyrics on one page and he'd send us the melody on another page and he'd send us an MP3 and uh, and none of the three things would match. So I'd have to go. go, We do a lot of jury... Yeah, so I'd, I'd go sleuthing around. <laughs> yeah, I'd go sleuthing around and say, what, what did he mean? Oh, okay, this was that and that. And I'd sort of com- compile my, my, from what he'd sent me, I'd compile a version that I thought was singable, you know. And, uh, but, I, you know, I'd, we were obviously trying not to do an imitation of, of somebody else's version. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. And there's also you could, the sort of cliches you want to stay away from because in a game like Assassin's Creed, R. like the, yeah, like the <laughs> R and the, the sort of you get into the Disney pirates, which is if you look at the images, it's not like that at all. They're like real pirates. Yeah. So you want to say avoid the a lot of the stuff you see online on is the kind of Disney pirate that got ships ahoy, and you're going oh my god, <laughs> you know you can't. Uh, <laughs> 
you can't use it. So in terms of getting that kind of authentic feel and, and that, you know, historical accuracy as, as much as it can be in, in the game, so can you take me back a little bit to the recording sessions and, like, what were those like? They were a lot of fun. Like, they were, uh, we'd go and, like, we'd do a take of the song or we'd first sort of read through it, read through it, everybody, you know, pick a key that seemed to work well for everybody. Not that that was the most important thing because uh, sometimes it was good to have people singing out of their range like you do when people sing all happy birthday together in different keys. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like people not don't always know, oh, this is, you don't get pirates sitting there discussing the key of the shanty they're going to be suing. <laughs> so, <laughs> we'd, so we'd go in and we'd, we'd read through them and then just set up the mics and in in whichever studio we happened to be in at the time a lot was hotel to tango and uh start with one version then another version and then sometimes we'd even like say take the headphones kind of off a bit so you don't hear the other version so well mm. and my i remember my one direction would always be like sort of change your voices now okay change your and then and the guys would because it's it was only four singers every time so Three usually <laughs> Yeah, often three, yeah. So there was always someone on the lead, because that's the way that they work. Yeah. And then we just uh, build it up and build it up to be about 25 pirates on the ship. So there, that's like that's why I say why I wanted guys with some personality, because we need a lot of different sort of acting things. Like they had to try not to sound like the same singer when they went through to sing it the second time. Oh, like it, so, you, so you're using basically stems or tracks from like, you know, t- yeah. two, three, four takes per singer to kind of build yeah. up that sense that you have yeah. a whole crew. But uh, always, always all of them together, but then, mm. then gradually building it up. And the, But the lead singer's part, a lot of it was making sure that we had a good take of the lead singer and then we'd add the, you know, the responses. Yeah. Uh, after, and then we, we could be a lot loosey-goosier with the responses because that's, that's where we got into the sort of the drunk singers and all the, like the a little bit too much rum in the on on the boat type people <laughs> that's where it got really fun funny you know we spent a lot of time laughing <laughs> well and you know trying to sing low or high or out of our range or trying to sing badly or roughly would often sort of wreck our voices i remember <laughs> yeah. one of the opera guys was like he's like i can't do this session this week because i have to sing an actual opera next, <laughs> next week you know <laughs> it's like okay fine, i have to know. save my okay, voice for fine. a real yeah. thing <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. You, you know, you. I mean, not me so much because I'm used to wrecking my voice. That's part of my part of my part of my <laughs> style. Job. But but uh, the real singers were they were feeling it. You know. So my next question is about sea shanties in general, because of course this year they've become, they've just exploded on the internet for, for the past year. Um, you know, I, I know, Sean, that you do a, a YouTube channel where you s- sing a shanty every week, I believe. Yep. Um, but they've just been super popular since uh, the shanty talk phenomenon from the beginning of the year. So I just wanted to get your reaction because you've worked with these for a long time. Uh, you did the soundtrack for Black Flag. How does it feel for you when something like that, that was kind of your baby, is suddenly like out in the open. It's it's really cool. Everyone's talking about it. I think Sean that we had it, it from the beginning when we'd get sort of that response when Black Flag came out. You know, there'd be fans. But remember, we did that show in Seattle, and so many people knew about it. Like it, yeah. It's it, it's not to the same. 
level as it is now, but it's, you know, right from right when the game came out, it seemed like it got pretty popular. And I know not as not after TikTok and right now, but maybe Sean, you could answer that better than me, seeing as you have your YouTube every every week, you know. So Yeah. Well, I was shocked when uh, when the Shanties became popular when Black Flag came out, you know. Not mm. shocked, but I was, I was surprised. And it sort of gave me uh, faith in in lay people's ability to like different styles of music. Yeah, that's true. Um, and so I thought, oh, it's just, if only people would get, you know, exposed to some kind of diff- different styles of music, maybe they'd like it. Right. So that was, that was a big surprise. And, uh, you know, we rode that as much as we could. I did anyway. So when it happened again, this past January, it wasn't it wasn't a surprise. It was like so here 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 it's happening again. Right. It's just uh, it's it seems like there's a cycle for these things. Like they just keep yeah, going yeah. back. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You know, like in in the eighties when people were listening to Bulgarian stuff, and when um, Oh Brother Where Art Thou came out, and all of a sudden everyone started playing old time banjo. You know. Mm. I think. The, the stuff that's thrown at people all the time, and they're always looking for different stuff. Maybe it's, it has a lot to do with so many people being at home searching for music on their computers rather than being out, you know, with COVID and everything. Right. So those people were really looking for stuff to listen to. Well, and I was going to ask, what is it? What is it for you about shanties, like musically or culturally? What what's the appeal? I think it's made to be sung along to you. You have to sing along, you know. And I, I sort of said this. In January, when I was being interviewed about this stuff, you know, like this sort of cliche that, like, here we are, everyone's forced into isolation, and and lo and behold, a style of music that brings people together to, it becomes popular, you know, mm-hmm. maybe as a reaction to that. But also, you don't have to be, I mean, as we demonstrated, you don't have to be a good singer. In fact, it's better if you're not to, to sing shanties. So people don't feel intimidated to sing to sing sea shanties the way they might be intimidated to sing. I don't know, Barry Manilow or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's been, we've been doing, you know, Joseph, for for years, we, we've, like Sean said, we've had people singing along in the pub. Yeah. It's a pretty, it's a very common thing. There's there's so- songs with, with little things that they yell out in the middle of the song that everybody knows who sure. goes to an Irish pub. I think that people just, you know, like, it's the same thing repeating over and over again. So you, you know your part and you just have to jump in with it. Mm-hmm. So it, it's very easy to do. And I think that, it's fun, you know. So, and even people like Sean, who are great singers, have to have to dumb down their singing. <laughs> so well, it's accessible to everyone. <laughs> well, you, if your line is just right up your kilt, say in an Irish bar, you know, <laughs> it doesn't get much dumber than that. Like it's pretty easy. <laughs> it's pretty easy to. This is your part. Just scream it out. We often say nice screaming instead of singing because they're just <laughs> screaming at little parts of the song. <laughs> and I wanted to ask you what your favorite sea, sea shanty was from the soundtrack. So maybe we can start with you, Sean. Well, I really like uh, the song Lever Johnny, which you know became super popular after that. But uh, when Dave would send out the, the list of songs that we were doing at any given session, you know, he'd send it out a, a few days in advance. And I all, I'd always try and make sure to go through the list before anybody else and write back to Dave quickly and saying like, oh, I like to sing this I one. I want this one. Yeah. <laughs> Getting dips on the, the best one. Yeah, I would claim the nice ones. So so I ended up with a lot of the sort of nicer melodies, you know, so that yeah. that was one of them. And uh, Randy Dandio is a, is a, a nice one. Yeah, too. Randy Dandio is good. And what do you, so what do you like about those ones specifically? It's the, the melody is a little bit more... In Lever Johnny is more melodic than some, you know, I, I, I don't know if it's yeah. true or not, but I read that, you know, they, the shanty sort of started out as 
rhythmic grunts, you know, to keep everybody timed, and then got gradually more and more sort of melodic, you know, more like songs and the, you know, imported melodies from other folk song traditions. And those two are particularly uh, just nice songs. I, I don't know how effective they are as work songs, but they're mm. nice as listening songs. Yeah, because some of the work ones are just, they're very lyrically simple and they're, they really are just sort of grunt songs. And some, like but then B- something Billy like... Billy Riley? <laughs> yeah, Billy Riley. Are, oh, Billy but Riley. But like, oh, yeah, Billy Riley, oh! You know, but some of them, like Lowlands is, is a beautiful melody, like Lowlands Away. And yeah. So those are clearly more in the song. Then there's ones that are just kind of funny, like Down Among the Dead Men. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> the dead men. You know, like, going, that's when one of the, some of them are you going, we got to watch, we don't get too Disney piratey on this one, because you can just imagine these are animated characters singing those songs. Yeah. I liked Whiskey Johnny, too. Oh, yeah. Michelle did a great yeah, they're, You know, they they're all have their own little, uh, a lot of them is with the, whoever was singing lead on them seemed to, uh, you know, bring them to life a bit. Thank you both for joining us, gentlemen. Thanks so much. And um, I want to thank Dave for for hiring me for the, the things we back then. <laughs> yeah, kudos to Dave. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, well, this is great. Thanks so much, guys. Thank you. Have a good day. This episode of Game Makers was produced and edited by the team at Engel. I'm Charles Adam Foster Samard from Ubisoft. Transcripts of our episodes are available on Ubisoft News. For more from Game Makers, remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.